Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. The reason that we spent so much time at the Otisaga Hotel in um, Cooperstown over the course of our lives is because Steve and Anita said, you should go to Cooperstown, take kids to Cooperstown, and then we started going and went a lot. They also and took you on a very memorable canoe trip. Yeah, I fell out of the canoe. You fell I, out of the I canoe? I fell out of the canoe. You ruined the picnic lunch. I did. All the lunch fell out, and I fell out. I'm, I'm not a canoeist. Yeah. I'm not good with water. <laughs> the Tony Kornheiser Show is on... Now. All righty then. Look, there's no other way to begin a podcast on a Monday after the weekend that we had without saying that's as great a sports weekend as anybody has ever seen. You had college football that included Alabama getting beat at the buzzer by Tennessee. Tennessee hadn't beaten them in 15 years. It's Alabama. They don't lose. Yeah. They don't lose. They got beat. USC got beat. Michigan rolled Penn State. Oklahoma State was up 14 points at one point and lost to TCU. James Carville was 4-0 and on the weekend. He had Tennessee. He had Michigan minus 7. He had Oklahoma State. TCU was minus 4. They won by 3. He had that. He had Buffalo over Kansas City. He was 4-0. I don't even want to tell you what happened with Chuck Todd. Oh, no. You know, it was brutal. Because he won the first match, right? He won the, he won the, the Washington the... thing. He's now lost five in a row, Oof. heading into tonight. Does that mean the monkey had a good weekend? The two monkey and... was 2-1 and one and is now 11-7. and seven. Chuck Todd's going to be under 500. Jeff Ma was 2-3. Um, and three. That's his first losing week of the season. You know, this was a tough week. So if you're betting, betting with Carvel and Reginald, you're making money. You always bet with a monkey. <laughs> but uh, that's just the college football. You had, again... Did you see that Tennessee's going full masterpiece theater? Did no. you enjoy co- watching content like this for a mere 52-19 <laughs> on a bi-weekly basis? You can see more of this in future so we can get new goalposts. Yeah, they need <laughs> a new goalpost. That's right. They stole them. Um, at Rocky Top, they seat about 103,000. I think it's bigger than the horseshoe. I think it is. 75,000 were on the field at the end of the game. Oh, yeah. It was unbelievable. And that was the college. And I'm leaving stuff out. I'm sure I'm leaving stuff out. The pros yesterday, once again in the early window, had seven or eight, however many games they had, that were fabulous games. And then you got to um, Buffalo, Kansas City. And then you got to Philadelphia and Dallas. And then... In the backdrop of that was baseball all weekend long. It was just, if you are a sports fan, I don't know how you come away from Saturday and Sunday without saying, that's the greatest stuff I've ever seen. You could watch it all day and all night. It was wonderful. What are you looking at? I'm looking at the capacities for um, college football stadiums. It's over 100 at Rocky Uh, Top. 101, just about 102,000. Michigan at 107,000. I didn't say Michigan. You said said the the horseshoe. I said the horseshoe. Which is Ohio State. Ohio State. 102,000. So there's bigger? And Penn State is 106,000. A lot of people. And they're always filled. Always. They're always filled. It's not like going to a game at Penn. (laughs) (laughs) Where there's 4,000 people in a 100,000 seat stadium. Has a pretty big capacity, okay? It was also about the pacing of this. You you had these little moments where you could retreat from the madness. So after you have that Tennessee-Alabama game... And then you go to extras in the Astros Mariners, for and you just get you just get to watch dominant scores. pitching for an extra fifty minutes. So the Mariners, we love Dave Sims. The Mariners did they get seven hits in eighteen innings? 
They got some absurdly low amount of hits yeah. in all of those innings. And Houston, Houston now walks in to the role as the favorite because the Dodgers are out and the Braves are out. And Garrett Cole, who is, to me, not likable personally, not a likable fellow, he did everything you could, you know, that's why you paid him the money. Right. So that he could go seven, knowing that if they, they have to win, so they got to throw every arm they've got if Garrett Cole can't go more than four or five. Now they're, they have a chance today, or tonight, it's tonight, tonight. right, seven o'clock. That's a game, I'm going to watch that game. I understand there's a football game. But Denver and the Chargers, Denver stinks. Yeah. They have no, Russell Wilson's having a terrible year. Yeah. They have Certainly no particular appeal. They have, you know, so I'm going to watch the baseball because the winner, you know, advances to play Houston, which I think is the series that more people will pay attention to. You said something earlier, Michael, that with the Dodgers out and Atlanta out, and if the Yankees go out and the Mets are already out, you're going to get matchups that are not as attractive for a national television audience as, as others are. Yeah, no, you just start looking at... Uh, at one point, you look at the division around and you say, what's the impact of having all these divisional opponents? And now you start to say, what's the impact of having some of these? Mid-market's not the right term, but you're looking at like a March Madness tournament. You go, we want to see the mid-majors week, you know, f- for the first two rounds. But not- and then we want to see the Blue Bloods come through. Yeah, I think that's true. And by the way, yes. what I haven't mentioned. It's always sunny in Philadelphia today. Yeah. Oh, you yes. could, Philadelphia, I've, I I've said still this. still thrown his bat. I've said this for two years, <laughs> maybe three years. I think their everyday lineup is second only to the Dodgers in the National League. I am not surprised they won. I'm not. I think that they are a good team. And obviously firing Joe Girardi, we'll ask Mark Feinstein about this, firing Joe Girardi was, that was the, the right and, thing and, but to But all do. the small steps from the, you know, the universal DH, the extra wildcard team, to then being able to go through you know, teams that you know well in a short series. So it, it brings up a question and I'll ask Wilbon about this, and I know what his answer is because we talked about it last night. I like two out of three, three out of five, four out of seven. I hate four out of seven, four out of seven, four out of seven like the NBA has. I hate that. But when you lose all your, and I'm not even going to say marquee teams, when you lose the teams that have won the most games, you have to ask yourself, is there something that's unfair here? Is there a bias here that we are not aware of? Is the rest not a good thing? I think they have to consider making the second series four out of seven, or at least show me that this was an anomaly, that this isn't the way it's going to happen all the right, time. Because when division teams play division teams, if nothing else, they're not afraid of them. They're right. not afraid of them. And that just all. seems like the recipe is that's going to happen more often than not just because of that extra wild card team and the likelihood that you're going to get three teams from one division where it sets it up for two different possible times to meet them. And I haven't even now concentrating on baseball and college football. I haven't even talked about what I think when you look back on this particular weekend, maybe the story where you say, how did that happen? The green Bay Packers are dissolving down the bowl. Yes. They lost at home to the jets. Don't, I don't care what the jets record is please. I don't care. The Jets and the Giants, I don't care. You lose at home to the New York Jets? You're not close in, in that game? Yeah, that was... Aaron Rodgers, you know, at, at some point you say, enough of this guy, enough of his life, enough of his foibles, enough of his anti-vaccination p- 
positions, you know, throw the ball in the end zone, and he's not doing that this year. Because people will forgive anything for results, and there are no results this year. That, that, that's been terrible. So we didn't get a relax yet? He has, we haven't heard relax. Maybe we'll hear that today. He's, he's behind at the moment uh, someone named Bailey Zappi. Bailey Zappi is 2-0, and right? Yeah. And killing it. Yeah, they look Bailey good. Zappi <clears throat> is killing it as a starter. He's 2-0. and He went for 309 and two touchdowns. He was 24-34. That's he might have lost healthy the, percentage. He might have lost the first game he played. But I don't know yes, if, but yeah. he was not the starter. That's right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He's 2-0 and as a starter because yeah. the starter numbers matter. Cooper Rush's numbers matter now. He hadn't had interceptions, and he hadn't lost a game. And now those people that are saying, oh, he may be better than Dak Prescott, now they need to shut up <laughs> yes, exactly. because he's not better than Dak Prescott. Right. He's not. He did a great job. Uh, and Philadelphia, they're good. I didn't want to say that, didn't want to believe it. Um, Jalen Hurts, the MVP right now. You might argue for Josh Allen. I wouldn't because Josh Allen has been this good for a couple of years. Well, wasn't that a fun game? He's, that was a great game. But yeah. I would tell you that, that Jalen Hurts is the MVP right now. Sure. They look good. Today would be a great day to be driving through the general Philly area just to hear <laughs> the explosion that oh, is local yeah. radio. <laughs> it's WIP, yes. They're great fans, right? The best. They're, they are. They're, they're crazy. Great fans. They're, they're, they're not... They turn on you in a heartbeat, but they're great fans. <laughs> yes, they're very passionate. They're great very fans. Passionate. I've always thought that. I oh, mean, you were there for years. Yeah, you but it's, it. it's just it's the back and forth between what the Phillies did, what they did in that final uh, that final uh, road stretch to then get those away games against the Cards. Yeah, just now amazing. they get to, they get to host an NLCS game. Matt Ryan had a great game. He did. He'd been given up for dead. He had a great game. That was the Dolphins actually could have won their game if that guy Waddle doesn't fumble. Yeah. They, yeah, were, they were right there, they, right there. You know, for a fifth-string quarterback or whoever was in that game. Yeah, I think it was. It was Brad Bridgewater at that point. He came back in. Oh, did he? Yeah. Okay. So it was, it was a million things that happened. Does Tampa Bay concern you? Yeah, well, I mean, Tom Brady let him down the field and then just didn't get the two-point conversion. Yeah, he looks older. I'm not saying he looks old. He looks it's- older. But yet there's been twice this year when he's had to go down the field at the end of the game and he has gone down the field at the end of the game and produced a touchdown. There's something else wrong with that team, and I don't know what it is. They don't – they wait a long time to score touchdowns. Yeah. They kick too many field goals. They don't actually I, – I suspect that their red zone percentage is not good. But it, the weekend, if you like sports – it's a fantastic weekend. Just fantastic. And we don't have to be burdened by sports that don't matter because all the sports that mattered were great. So we will take a break. Michael Wilbon will be with us when we return. Later in the show, Mark Feinstein. We'll try to cover all of it. I am Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Zippy Zappy, Zippy Zappy, throws like a cat, oh cat. 
Spoonful feel by Dan Burr. Did, didn't it? Yeah. Zippy Zappy. He turns it, doesn't matter what we say, he turns it into a song immediately and he plays in Michael Wilbon. Wilbon and I talked yesterday. It's one of the great sports weekends that anybody could ever imagine college football, baseball, pro football. Just Alabama going down, Green Bay going down. Just tremendous. Just right. I mean, didn't you find yourself watching everything that you could watch? Yeah, Tony. I was the, uh, doing a sampler platter. Yeah. Um, I watched a, a lot of baseball, um, but though, like you said, not, not exclusively anything because it yeah. was there's a ton of stuff on. And and you, you and I did not grow up at a time where people had to follow a league. You know, you followed sports. Yeah, and that's what you did. And and this this weekend was tremendous. That's that's how I felt. You know, college football started it off. Tennessee, Alabama. I didn't stay up for USC, Utah. I know you did. Michigan, Penn State, Oklahoma State, TCU. These these were great games. I mean, the Michigan game wasn't a great game, but I felt good for Michigan because they often lose these games, and now they can head into Ohio State knowing that the winner of that game right goes to the playoffs. We assume that, don't we? Yeah, but there's a whole lot of stuff before that, and that's where Michigan's gotten tripped up anyway the last couple of years. I mean, Michigan can't doesn't dare look at November 20th. They don't dare do it. They don't dare. What do you I'm m- still not convinced they're any, really any good. Okay. What do you well, make? Maybe they are. But what do you make of Tennessee-Alabama? They could trip up, Tony. They could be tripped up, you know, yeah. any, any number of games. Well, what do you make of Tennessee-Alabama? The fact that they beat them. The fact that they beat them late, that they scored, they both scored a million points. Well, I, I mean, people have known about this offense. And is it different was the question. Because Alabama, when, listen, I watched that game uh, at, the, at the members' grill at Columbia. A lot of people you know. Yeah. And at, I, it was like, 21 to 7, was it 21 7 at one point? Alabama down. Yeah. And I just said, They're coming Tennessee, back. Tennessee's going to lose this game. Yeah. <laughs> well. And it's, you know, what are you talking about? And Jesse was ready to kill me. I said that Alabama's going to win the game. And Alabama, you know, probably should have. They were, they were not out. It was even by God, 49 all. 49 so, all. So many it's points. Just insane. Same. So many points. in the SEC. Just, it's not the whack, you know. And this, these are teams that itself was so entertaining. These are Love. teams that will have three and four defensive people drafted in the first round. Yeah, and they scored that many points. They scored that many points. It's. Well, I love the Alabama quarterback. Offensive people drafted in the first round at some point, too. Yeah, I love the Alabama quarterback. Too small, but love him. What they what they're known to do was not what happened on Saturday. That's right. That's right. All right, let's get to the baseball. <clears throat> because it's your phrase, and I cannot dispute it, but it makes me sad that the Dodgers are a dynasty of one. I Man. just, I, you know, talk about the, the thoughts that we have 
the difference between going 162 games and then going three out of five? Yeah, well, this is why, look, it, what used to make Boswell crazy, Tom Boswell, the great Tom Boswell crazy, when people ask for more playoffs in baseball, because you play 162 games. They're not like the others. It's not 16 games or, you know, 81. You play, you, you play 162 games. That tells you who is built for the long haul. The, 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 the regular season is a marathon. And the, the the people who you know keep baseball, they sort of refuse to deal with it that way and see it the way that others have seen it. They want to look at it through 162 plus these playoffs. And when you have these playoffs, you sort of undermine the sport to me. When you have all these rounds of playoffs in baseball, um, I don't I don't feel bad for the Dodgers in that. You know, I mean, they they they, had, they benefited a couple of years from things like this too. But, Tony, wow, San Diego, man, to watch those games. I, I watched those games. I told you I was going to watch them from the beginning. Because San Diego does have the talent. San Diego's talent level, man for man, on that 25-minute roster is every bit equal to the Dodgers. Equal. Now, the Dodgers, you may say, wait a minute, they got Kershaw. Okay. But you know what? They don't. They don't have. They. 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 They're. They're players on the San Diego roster who may be the best at what they do in baseball. And you know that, of course, because you know one of the players they stole from your team, Juan Soto, sure, and Machado, who I can't stand. I can't okay, stand so him, but Machado's he's great. A great player. He's a great player. He's a great, great player. player. Yeah. And so, you know, and I, you know. I, I, you, you said you thought I was rooting for San Diego. No, I, I wasn't really because the, the Dodgers brass, the owners, the front office, these guys are people that are my friends, including the principal owner of the Dodgers, Mark Walter, Northwestern alum. And it's a guy named Irvin Johnson. Okay, so, no, I don't root against the Dodgers. I don't. But I'm looking at these games going, you know what? San Diego's every bit as good, man for man, inch for inch, talented as the Dodgers are. Would you change the second series to four out of seven or leave it at three out of five, given the fact that they're not going to cut playoff teams? I might go. It's hard to do, though. It's hard to go longer because one of the things is you know those rounds need to be over so you can get to your championship league, league championship round, which is four out of seven. Tony, I might try to push it to four out of seven, but I, I... I get the baseball, the, the sort of the magic of those first two rounds in baseball is that they're shorter. I love is them. Is that they're not four out of five. I love two out of three and three out of five. I wonder if there's a bias. This is the first year we've seen this format. So you have to wait two or three years before you see if there's a bias for road teams or home teams or division teams or teams that didn't win 110, whatever it is. You have to wait a little while and discover if there's a bias. But I would keep them this way and... You know, I, I I am not surprised at all. I am surprised that the Dodgers lost. I'm not surprised at all that the Phillies beat the Braves because I think the Phillies have a really good lineup. And last night, and I'm sure you watched this going back and forth between the baseball and the football, um, Garrett Cole, that's why you pay him all that money, right? Yeah. Woo! Yeah. That, that's why. I mean, I, last, you know, it's interesting. Um, I am not fanatically devoted to the NFC East though I've lived here for 42 years in, in that division, essentially. 
And you know what? I just I, I could have watched in a basement where I have multiple TVs, where I watch football all day, every Sunday, all day, all, all day, every Sunday. But you watch the baseball. On, so I, can say, I didn't. I I forgot yeah. the Yankees. Cleveland. I checked in. It was it was you know three nothing and three two. Yeah, I thought they were chipping away. They were going to beat them. I thought Cleveland was going to beat them. But then I I got so engrossed in, you know, Philly, Dallas. I I, I didn't turn. I turned back. It was over. Yeah, I went the other way. I sort of stayed with the baseball, stayed with it as long as I could. The football was was captivating. So that game, the Buffalo Kansas City game, and the the Cowboys Eagles were really, really fine sporting events to just watch and become uh, obsessed with. So there's there's and, two things in the football that we're going to get to. Green Bay. Yeah. What do you make of Green Bay? Well, the Green Bay, you know, part of it is their offensive line is not very good. It is not. And so part of the struggles for that team, that offense, are just specifically related to that. And Aaron Rodgers is not going to play around that at 36 years old or whatever he is. Um, and and they, they, just, they have a lot of things go wrong. But to me, the offensive line was a glaring weakness yesterday of that team. Um, but I still didn't expect them to lose to the Jets. Oh my you God. can't. You can't. Don't, you can't convince me yet that the Jets are any good. The other thing that I wanted to mention to you, was your boy Mitch Trubisky won that game? Yeah. He made two long third ends. Yeah. And then he ran for a first down to seal it. He played really well, right? Well, some, uh, excuse me. Some of us are not surprised. Right. Because you. All right, look, I, I said, and I said this on Chicago radio at the beginning of the year a number of times, of course, anger people. I said, I, I'm rooting for Trubisky this year. And I think that he will win. He, he may not win this number of games because he's on the bench now coming up. But I think he'll win 10 games. Now, he probably won't, but Pittsburgh's not any good. They're not. But you know what, Tony? But he was really good. Mitch he and Claypool. Trubisky, the reason I thought he's going to be better is because he's going to get coached. Yeah. He's going to be coached well. And he's being that. He was never coached well in Chicago. And he didn't have the players around him that were necessary, meaning primarily an offensive line. So good for him and good for them, and I do root for him. I do. So let me get to two things that I know we, we talked about, and I'll set them up, and it is about the sort of craze to go on fourth down, regardless of what time yeah. is left in the game. Buffalo, and Buffalo is well coached. They are well coached, and that guy is not a maniac like the guy at San Diego. He's not. They went on fourth and goal with 6.35 left, uh, in the first half, down 7-3. They went on fourth and goal. Would you have done that? I would not no. have done that. I'd have taken the field goal. No, 7-3, seven, seven, I'm taking the field goal. Dude, I'm sorry, can these guys add? Do they think there's going to be the last score in the game of the night when they do this? I just, you know, I think that, Tony, you know, I've been on a thing for five years now that NFL head coaching is the worst it's ever been. The worst. And I believe that. And we have some support sometimes. I know sometimes I don't. And, there, you know, football insiders are loath to criticize coaches as much as I do. And it's not even criticize coaching specifically, you know, decision for decision as much as I do. Just the overall tone of it. I look at the coaches. 
I can go through, and I've done it with Matt Kelleher, I go through the standings from 1985 and 1986 and go coach for coach with now. And to me, it's not close. I'll give you it's another one. Talent. This is one it's of your hometown teams. This is Cliff it's Kingsbury. The credentials is not the guts. Right, it's King- not the, there just isn't any of the. This they they would say creativity. I'm not going to say creativity. It's just sort of wild-eyed, you know, gumption. I I I, I don't really know what it is, but I don't think much of the coaching head coaching in the NFL these days, and it is characterized increasingly by just insane decisions on both the two-point conversions and fourth down. I'll go to Kingsbury, who just got a huge contract extension, and Kyler Murray, and I'm in your camp now. Kyler Murray may be tremendously exciting, but hes I don't think he's necessarily a Super Bowl quarterback. It's fourth and three. Arizona, they're on the Seattle 25. Yeah. They're down 19-9. There's 10 minutes to go. 19-9, that's two scores. That's 10 points. And they went on fourth and three. They didn't yeah. make it. You wouldn't have done that, would you? No. I wouldn't have done that. I thought that was insane. I don't think much. I, can, can Cliff Kingsbury design plays that look beautiful? Yeah, sure. But I want him as my head coach in the NFL? Hell no. Yeah, I and as you know, I told you from the beginning, I don't trust Kyler Murray. Not to be what people projected him to be, which is some year-after-year stable franchise quarterback. No, 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 I don't. Yeah, I think I'm with you and on so that. And so, look, I, they, you know, I, I, my adopted team is, is the Cardinals. It's not my primary team, but I, I root for them. Uh, and I root for them a lot harder, you know, when they had Kurt Warner and Larry Fitzgerald than I do now. I look at them now and I just go, okay, it's, it's, it's like it's arm candy. When are they going to do something stupid that undermines the day? And sure enough, you know what's coming with that team and that duo. I think you're right. All right, there's lots to talk about. I'll talk to you later. All right, Tom, thanks. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. We'll take a break. Mark Feinsand will catch us up on all the baseball. When we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. I'm a punter from Scotland. I did come Loch Ness near Aberdeen, the place where I'm from. Came over with the giants to punt in London town. But now they've detained me. I'm punting for the crown. Punting for the crown, laddies. Punting for the crown. From Oxford to Westminster, Derry, Derry down. I'll punt in Old Trafalgar and up in Leicester Square. I'll punt in Piccadilly. You'll find me punting there. I'll punt for Old King Charlie. No longer for the Queen. 
I'll punt for God and country, the pride of Aberdeen. <laughs> Dan Byrne is so brilliant. I, I don't want to pressure him <laughs> to come up with songs constantly, but he comes up with songs constantly because he's brilliant and prolific. Yes. No, plays in Mark Feinstein. Just absolutely great. Absolutely great. So, all right, let's... The baseball has been wonderful. I have the overarching question as to whether three out of five in this round is fair, but we'll get to that later. Which surprises you more, the Phillies totally dominating the Braves or the Padres beating the Dodgers, a team... They could not beat in L.A. all year, and they beat them, and they beat them. I think it has to be the Padres, yeah. only for the fact that during the year, the Phillies were 8-11 and against the Braves, so I mean, they played pretty well against them, and they, uh, you know, they, they were able to win a bunch of games against them. The Padres looked like a helpless uh, you know, Little League team yeah. against the Dodgers most of the year, and for them to go out there and just lay the smack to them the way they did was, was just really impressive, and uh, I'm... You know, a lot of people are looking at this going, uh, Phillies and Padres for the NL championship, just as we all expected. But this is the beauty of the playoffs. Get hot at the right time, and anything can happen. Do you think that there has to be any rethinking in these two regards? We're getting, we got, in three of four circumstances in the second round, we got teams from the same division playing. And they're not afraid of each other on any level. I mean, it's, 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 it, I think it changes the dynamic of the series. And um, do you think that four out of seven would be better than three out of five in the second round? Or do you want to live with three out of five, even if you don't get the teams that you figure to get? I like three out of five. I, I, I look at the NBA playoffs or the Stanley Cup playoffs. Too many rounds. Just too many. It goes too long. I, I, liked, yeah. I loved the best of three series this year. Yeah, me too. In the first round, we got some, some really entertaining series there. I know only one of them got to three games, but... Uh, there were some really good games in those two-game sweeps. And then the best of five, I, you know, I, I have a real problem with this series and the length of it because I think especially it's interesting to look at it and see that both National League teams that won were the ones that came out of the wild-card round, didn't have the ability to set up their rotations, right. to have their number one starters going in game one, and they still won the series. So, uh, I mean, I thought the disadvantage for the wild-card teams going in not being able to have their you know, number one and, in some cases, number two guys set up for the first two games was going to be a really big thing. It wasn't. And it wasn't. No. I think it shows you that you know whoever the hotter team is is going to win, and if it's a best of seven or a best of five, chances are that's still going to be the case. What do you make of the Dodgers? We look back at the Dodgers. They're the best team in baseball for the last five or six years. They got one ring. Well, I look at them... Much like I look at the Braves from the mid-90s into the 2000s, uh, where that team won, what, 14 straight division championships? Yes. And had one ring. And that team had three Hall of Fame pitchers in his rotation and a couple of Hall of Famers playing in the outfield and and third base. So I I don't know what to make of it. I think baseball's a really hard sport to win. That's why we haven't had a repeat champion since the Yankees, right, in 98, 99, and 2000. Um, It's not an easy thing to go... You can be talented, you can be built for the 162, but you get to the playoffs and uh, it doesn't always happen. Now that said, you know, the Dodgers have been in the World Series three times. They've been in the NLCS three or four other times. Uh, this is not a one-and-done situation every year, 
but certainly this year there were some some big you know this is the what the second time since 2016 that they've not gotten out of the division series and it's been a really good run it's going to be a run that continues uh and and i think this will not be the last we've heard from the dodgers but i think uh after 111 wins i remember covering the yankees in 01 beating the mariners who had won 116 yeah and it was sort of like, well, how is that possible that a team wins 116 games and then can't even get to the World Series? And it's, it's just playoff baseball. Could you, you know, 162 is not sacrosanct. It was 154 for an awfully long time. 162 just accommodates all the teams that are out there. Could you see any push to shorten the season? I would love that if you uh, could space out the playoffs a little more. Yeah. Um, I think that would be great. Unfortunately, that would be taking away Money. four home games from every team mm-hmm. and uh, four gates, and I think that would be an issue for team for the teams that would be in the playoffs. I think they would be all for it. Uh, you know, the teams that are annually in that playoff race. For the teams that aren't, you're <clears throat> taking some money out of their pocket, and I'm not sure how that would go over. Uh, I think you know the argument against going back to 154 used to be, oh, but the records. Well, you know what? We don't. We still care about records, but as we saw this year. Um, some of those records are probably not ever going to really be touched now that we are out of the steroid era, right? We saw Aaron Judd get to 62. No one's getting to 73 no. any time, I don't think, ever. Uh, so, you know, to go back to 154, I think, would be would be fine, especially if it enabled baseball to uh, <clears throat> tinker with the playoffs a little bit. But um, <clears throat> I've, been, I've been very entertained by these, by these playoffs to this point. I have never been against getting buys in football, because you miss one week of football and you physically heal up. Is it possible, because baseball is an everyday sport, Mark? It's every day. You play it all the time. Is it possible the rest hurts? I don't think it does, because I think, like I said, it enables you to start uh, your pitchers in the order you want to start them. It enables you to line up your bullpen guys and get them some rest. And, you know, I remember Joe Torre used to say that after the first week of the season, no player is 100%. And then that's just the way it is. And you get to October and people are banged up and it is what it is. Uh, those extra days, I think the, the teams value them to be able to, you know, heal up some minor injuries, to line up their pitching staffs, et cetera. Um, do you lose a little bit of rhythm? Perhaps, but... You know, we've seen it. it didn't seem to hear hurt Houston, right? I mean, they went out and uh, that's right. and, and that's took right. care of Seattle. What <laughs> took two games to get one of them done? But right. um, you know, I think I think it certainly it's always one of those things where when the team loses, then you say, oh, well, they were they were a little right. flat because they rested. And when the team wins, now if if Cleveland wins game five, then you'll be in a situation where three of the four teams that had the buys lost. But I think if you ask any manager and any general manager, would you rather have the bye or would you rather have to play the best of three, you'll get a unanimous answer one way. Get the bye. Yeah. 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 Uh, Garrett Cole was tremendous. That's everything they needed, right? They needed seven innings. And even though I thought they were going to chip away and beat him, they did not beat him. What do you think of Cole? And what do you think this is tonight? This is all out there for tonight. And it doesn't look like anybody has any starters left. What do you think the game will look like? Uh, well, I think I think the Yankees have beat up on Aaron Savali this year when they've played against him, and I think they better do that early tonight because Cleveland's bullpen better. is relatively rested and much better. So if this comes down to a battle of the bullpens, 
Uh, I do like Cleveland's chances in this game. That said, I could also see the Yankees jumping out and scoring five runs early and uh, and making it sort of a moot point. So uh, I think Garrett Cole did everything that the Yankees expected when they signed him to this yeah. monster contract, and all of the bad memories of the fan base of him, you know, not getting out of the third last year against Boston in the wild card game, that should be quieted down a little bit now uh, because he's now pitched, you know, very well in a very big spot. Both starts in this series have been uh, excellent, and this is what you expect. Now, if the Yankees get out of this game tonight uh, and he faces Houston in the next round, then you'll really see the scrutiny begin. Uh, The team that he signed away from, uh, that will be, you know, the Yankees fan base has been waiting since 2017 for their revenge on the Astros. So uh, this would be, I know that, I know they played, uh, what was it, 2019? in the ALCS as well, but they, they still just think, oh, well, they cheated the whole time. And so uh, if we do get Yankees-Astros, it's going to be uh, very, very electric and very angry, On uh, certainly from the New York side. The Astros are really good. Really good. They're a really good team. They, are, they, are re- they beat you short, beat you long. I mean, they are a really good team. Let me go to the Phillies because this is an interesting – circumstance. I like the Phillies everyday lineup. I've always liked it. I don't think that uh, it changed much, even though they changed managers, but they changed managers. And that seems to have been a turning point. uh, Am I overstating getting rid of Girardi? I don't think you're overstating it. Again, I don't know if it's one of those things where it's, oh, well, they needed to get rid of Girardi or that Ron Thompson did a great job or that they got a little healthier. I mean, they still you watch enough of their games, certainly against the Nats, to know they're still not a fundamentally sound team uh, when it comes to their defense. And No, they hit. Um, they're not you know, a good they defensive hit. team. They hit. They and, hit. They, and in a short series, when you're throwing Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler uh, at a team, that, that's, that's a tough short series to, to deal with. So um, they're, they're sort of an all-or-nothing type team. Uh, but right now they've been hot, and they've certainly got a lineup that can – put up runs with anybody. So uh, the Padres have a similar type of a team, and I, I'm really interested to see how this series plays out. Two teams that didn't reach 90 wins uh, playing for a chance to go to the World Series. So it should, be, it should be quite a thing. Kevin Long, the hitting coach, who used to be down with there Washington, in Washington, yeah. uh, I think I've heard from a few people that he was, he was a big part of that, that renaissance revival as well. And it turns out now he's, uh, he's potentially getting some interest as uh, as manager from a couple mm. of the teams that have vacancies. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, Rob Thompson's got that job full-time now in Philly, uh, but he might be potentially losing one of his top lieutenants there. I wondered if that, I mean, they did that right at the start of the playoffs. They announced that Thompson was going to be their full-time manager. I wonder if they did that because they felt that would help the, the team win. You know? So my understanding is that when you have an interim manager, you still are required by Major League Baseball to go through the entire, you know, a full interview process. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the seal of rule of, of bringing in at least one minority. Yep. Uh, so they don't want to sort of skip over that. But in a situation like this, where a guy takes over at the beginning of June or end of May, has the kind of success that Rob Thompson had, get to the playoffs, um, I think the, the Phillies went to MLB and said, look, we don't really want to put other people through this interview process if we already know that we're going to keep this guy. So they received a special dispensation to skip the interview process for that reason, that you don't want to insult people by 
bringing them in for interviews because you have to when you already know that this is your guy. Right. So I agree. Uh, that was my understanding of how that, that came about in terms of the removal of the interim tag. All right. Thank you so much. We're going to lean on you during the rest of the baseball playoffs, if that's okay. I am here. Mark Feinstein, boys and girls, we will take a break. We have email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. You stand there in the safe way Like you were eating a ticket to Walk strategically back to the dairy aisle. The moose didn't even blink. You say, What are we doing out here, man? As you watch yourself storm out. Oh, how you wish they had four percent lost. Kurt must be the Lucerne brand. Brilliant. You probably think they're hiding it from you. Well, I bet you still need coffee ice cream to do you don't Just brilliant. Joe Arrow, brilliant. <laughs> and with dredging up moose cans, which you can't say anymore. No. You cannot get away with that. Moose cans. Fantastic. That goes back to that ice cream store, right? Yeah. Giffords? Yep. Yeah. The moose can't... Oh, God, right. that is so great. That is so great. You want to do the Bethesda Bagel in? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. Bagel sandwiches Very on a Monday. excited about that. Very, Very happy excited. about that. That'll just about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me say, and I don't know this song. Dizzy in the head and I'm feeling blue. Things you said, well, maybe they're true. I'm getting funny dreams again and again. I know what that means, but can't explain. I think it's love. Try to say to you when I feel blue. I don't know that. If I said the greatest garage band of all time? The who? The who. Can't explain. Wow. I wouldn't have. I know can't explain, and I don't know those lyrics from can't explain. Well, there you go. That's wonderful. Yes. Wonderful. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon, Mark Feinsand. Thanks to our sponsors today, Freshly Electric E-Bikes. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple, please leave us a review. So we have a lovely haiku here from Shad. Um, and he has encloses a picture with us um, with this. Let's do this. It's Jeff Pickett, of course, who he is with. Is that, is Jeff? that Jeff Pickett? I think so. Um, he writes, new father-in-laws basking in the happiness of their kids. Thank you. And Chad writes, reading my note last week meant so much. I shared it with the father of the bride, and you've gained a new little. Maybe it's the father of the bride. Um, he's the mayor of Urbandale, Iowa, and an attorney. One of his partners is a friend of Jeff Piggott. Once again, the connective tissue of the show is simply stunning. Multiple glasses of 12-year-old Glenn Morangi. Is that the name of the scotch? Glenn Morangi, is that how it's pronounced? We're raised. Not sure that one. So Jeff Piggott went there. Maybe yes, that's not Jeff. Jeff did text me. Okay. Uh, yes. So here's from Claire Natola. We played a form of the new Wedding Crasher game at the wedding of Chuck and Roxy in Connecticut this past spring. <laughs> Thanks to the Omicron variant, texts of last-minute cancellations were coming into Chuck left and right. As Dina helped Chuck with his cufflinks, I worked the phone, contacting any littles I knew within an hour's drive of the venue. Not everyone could pull it off, but David Patton met the challenge. He was too late for the ceremony, but got to the reception, and really, who cares about anything before the food comes out anyway? <laughs> we didn't think to yell the cheeserie to get Chuck and Roxy to kiss, but in the spirit of this new game, it was present nonetheless. And this is a picture of Chuck and Roxy, I assume. Yes. Lovely. Does look lovely. Okay. 
From Carla Corrado in Columbus, Ohio. Really like the next Littles thing. Crash the weddings in our area to which Mr. Tony is invited, but will of course never attend. <laughs> Please let the Littles know that fire extinguisher manufacturer and obviously great wedding gift ideas, Total Safety, is running a sale on their products. You can order your extinguisher gift wrap, order gift wrapped. Use the code, people. It's from a deep G- take. From G.W. McLeod. I hope you and the TK gang will join us in Alexandria for my daughter's wedding festivities. While BK Whoppers aren't in the reception dinner menu, plenty of Johnny Walker Blue will be available. Is the Little House available for wedding gift storage? Asking for a friend. And this is uh, Mr. and Mrs. Gregory William McLeod. Request the honor of your presence at their daughter, Mary Hart, to John Fran- Francis Benecke, B-E-N-E-C-K-E, Benecke maybe, the 22nd of October. That's next week. Yeah. Right? Next weekend. Uh, four o'clock in the afternoon, the old Presbyterian meeting house in Alexandria, Virginia. So I think that I, I did Jeff Pickett go to the wedding? Yes, he did. What did he write you? Uh, he just he's, he said he was going to try and make it. And then he just sent back pictures uh, of him and Chad. So with, I guess, his and hers wedding gifts that he brought. So there you go. So yeah. that's wonderful. Yeah. This is the game. This is the new game. All right. Uh, from Bill Garner, North Potomac, local littles. Dan Byrne at Jam and Java on January the 2nd, a great tiny venue. Todd Hart writes, Todd Hart, formerly of Kohler, Wisconsin, now of Sheboygan, Wisconsin. I haven't stopped singing Victor Wembignana, Victor Wembignana, Victor Wembignana. I think my wife will be filing for divorce soon. Uh, from Adi, Adi Dapo in Tijuana, Mexico. Victor Wembignana, Victor Wembignana, Victor Wembignana. Victor Wembignana, Victor Wembignana, Victor Wembignana. Man, I hate Dan Burke. <laughs> From Andrew Dubill in Winter Park, Florida, by way of Alexandria, Virginia, and Washington, D.C. Victor Wembignana, Victor Wembignana, Victor Wembignana. Gets in your head, doesn't That's it? That's it. That's the email. <laughs> From Dan Navin, please ask uh, Jeff Ma the next time he's picking games. When Mr. Tony agrees so emphatically with Jeff's picks, does Jeff second-guess his decision? Uh, he should. From Zach England in Las Vegas, I think I know how Alex Ovechkin felt when the Capitals won it all. That's the kind of respect that Nick Saban in Alabama demand. Hours after the game, I still find myself breaking it into fits of laughter. 1,136 yards of offense, 102 points, 61 first downs, two goalposts, and one beautiful James Carville bet. He had that. Yes, he did. He had that. Michael Granberry. Hey, Friday's show, we, Michael Granberry is the arts and leisure person from the Dallas Morning News. That's Who's right. given us so many great singers. Brilliant singers, yes. Hey, guys, Friday's show was like all others, so much fun to listen to. I much enjoyed the musical guest and hear, hearing Tony and Nigel riff about Austin becoming a Texas version of Nashville. It's true. As evidence, I wrote a story this week about the Texas Hill Country. The Texas Hill Country is where Lyndon Johnson grew up. Mm-hmm. Recently adding two big names to its musical lineup. Paul Simon, who grew up in Queens, New York, has moved with his Dallas-born wife, Edie Brickell, of the amazing band Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians, to Wimberley, 37 miles from Austin. Wimberley is a town of fewer than 3,000, where its terrific grassroots radio station, KWVHFM, recently did a three-hour interview with Paul, which may be the best interview I've ever heard him give. At one point, Paul picked up a beat-up guitar in the studio and launched into Me and Julio down by the schoolyard as Edie whistled the melody. He told so many great stories and wax nostalgic about his days at Forest Hills High School in Queens, where his classmates included a guy named Art Garfunkel, with whom he formed Tom and Jerry, the forerunner to Simon and Garfunkel. And that's why in Only Living Boy in New York, 
Paul says, Tom, get your plane ride on time. That's right. For those of you who don't know that and think I don't know that, <laughs> I do know that. <laughs> Tom and Jerry, the forerunner to Simon and Garfunkel. What pleased me most of all was that he mentioned Garfunkel frequently, and each time he did so fondly and favorably. Does it mean there might be a Simon and Garfunkel reunion in Texas? Who knows? If he ever decides to form a duo with any of the local talent, he could turn to Ellis Paul, a frequent presence in Austin, whose music I recently sent you to play on the show. I can see it now. The sensational new group, Paul and Simon. <laughs> and then he sent the story that he wrote. Uh, let's do a couple more and we'll get out of here. From Zach Drescher. Thought you'd appreciate a word of warning. The woman to whom I'm related by marriage is part of a new mother's group. Now that the kids are all turning one, the moms are planning a reunion of sorts. The problem is they're having a tough time agreeing on a venue. The options range from a backyard to Rock Creek Park to the Kennedy Center. After lots of back and forth, she told me last night that the group had landed on having it at Columbia Country Club. One of the other women is a member, and she could bring the rest of the group in as guests. I had to ask, are you going to play 18 and just hit some balls at the rate? She looked at me like I had arrived from the moon. Unfazed, I continued, are you going to play the black or the white? You've got to remember to stay out of the water on two. Be sure to pack some payday bars for the turn. There's no chocolate in there, so they won't melt. She left the room That's before smart. I could tell her about the snack shack at number eight. Um, so if you're planning on going to the club Sunday afternoon, watch out for the group of seven one-year-olds who are just getting good at walking and their mothers, who now that I think of it, may not be there for golf at all. Yeah. <laughs> and one more from Steve Jackson. Could dropped off the captain. After seeing the right. Kia yes. commercials four months. on cleaning the beaches for turtles and now saving a tree from the city, is Kia becoming Subaru <laughs> from Steve Jackson? If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Who makes you excited, Henry? What's Soto? <laughs> One soda, one soda. Victor Wembenyama. From Scotland I did come Loch Ness near Aberdeen The place where I am from Came over with the giants To punt in London town But now they've detained me I'm punting for the crown Punting for the crown Laddies, punting for the crown From Oxford to Westminster Derry, derry down I'll punt in Old Trafalgar and up in Leicester Square. I'll punt in Piccadilly, you'll find me punting there. I'll punt for Old King Charlie, no longer for the Queen. I'll punt for God and country, the pride of Aberdeen. 